Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, church. Just realized that we never checked the mic, but it's good. Sweet. Very good. Well, is it well with your soul this morning? Yes? One of you. Yes. Rest of you. Yes. <laughs> Let's just try that again. Is it well with your soul this morning? Yes. Okay, good. Good, then you're in the right place. So, which kind of makes me feel bad about what I'm about to do. Right? <laughs> so, uh, this morning, we're actually going to talk about some problems in the church. Some problems in this church. In fact, I'd say two problems that just about affect everybody. Just, just about everybody, I would say. And so the first problem is that some of you, it'll be really awkward and uncomfortable, but some of you have some really dirty feet. Some really dirty feet and they need to be cleaned. And some of you, I think all of you assume you're in this part, um, you have really clean feet. You have really clean feet this morning, and we need to get them dirty. And so this morning, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at this text that so many of you are familiar with. You know this text. And yet, that's not the point of this text, is for you to be familiar with it. It's to react to it and, and be inspired by it, to follow the instructions of Jesus. In fact, in verse 17, it says, If you know these things, blessed are you, if you do them. Right? So don't be familiar, like do, do what it says. And so that leaves us this morning with the task of knowing exactly what these things are and of course exploring then what it means to do them. And so our text today will be John 13 verses 1 through 17. And our sermon is called Get Washed and Get Washing. Let me pray for us, church. God, you are awesome. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for your word. Thank you for everybody here this morning. Um, thank you for those uh, who are going to be watching this online um, during the week, Lord. Uh, thank you for every single one of them. Lord, may this sermon uh, bring you honor and glory as we follow your instructions. And I also believe this is one of those sermons that's probably uh, your spirit is going to poke us a little bit. So poke away, Lord, and, and make us more like your son. In the name of Jesus, amen. So the first thing this morning that we need to understand that's going to set up this whole context is understanding the context of this passage. So let's read verses 1 through 3. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world and to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. And so what we find is the context here is that all this takes place in the shadow of the cross. The cross is at hand. It's about to go down. Probably, I believe it's within 24 hours of this right, right now, right here. And so I can't imagine how complex the emotions of Jesus must be. In fact, why else would John mention this, like as the context, like all this that, that Jesus must be processing in his head. And so there's at least three realities we need to be aware of 
as Jesus is in this text, what, what he's thinking about. And there's all these accompanying emotions as well. And the first is the shadow that is cast by the reality of the cross. Verse 1 says, Jesus knew his hour had come. So he's stressed out. Like he knows the, the cross is at hand. You might remember a couple of weeks ago in, in uh, chapter 12, verse 27, where Jesus says his heart is troubled. You know, other translations say he's horrified. Like, it's horrible. Who wants to do that? It's like, it, it's, it's painful and emotionally, extremely painful for Jesus. And so that hour includes all the events leading up to and the cross and that reality of the cross troubles Jesus's heart. And so he's stressed out here. Second, the reality of the reunion with the Father, which is just beyond the cross. So you have a whole nother emotion, like Jesus is going back home. That's, he's excited about that. This brings Jesus joy. You know, in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so he has this incredible joy because also he's going back home with the Father. And so that joy conquers that fear of the cross. But also the cross hasn't happened yet, so both of those are in Jesus's heart here. So we have this reality of the reunion which brings Jesus joy. And third, the shadow in the shadow of the cross we find the reality of goodbyes. Like, I don't need a cute story to tell you, like, goodbyes, not fun, no, teary-eyed, right, heart-wrenching goodbyes, and, and we find Jesus in the upper room here. Like, these are his boys, right? This is Jesus' crew. It's just them in there. These dudes are going to change the world, right, with the, with the gospel of Jesus. And so you can imagine uh, how sad Jesus must be to be saying bye to these guys, but at the same time, Jesus does not have time to be sad or reminisce. In fact, uh, he becomes more urgent because now every second, right? It's the, same, it's the same seconds, but now they're more urgent. And so everything Jesus does is very intentional here. Every second is valuable. And so it's with this urgency in mind that Jesus provides this lesson this morning that we're going to look at today. And for Jesus, the reality of goodbyes provokes sadness but also urgency. And so, just think about this. Jesus, under the shadow of the cross, troubled heart, joyful heart, super sad, but also can't think about any of that because he has to focus on the hour at hand. And so, with all these things stirring in the heart of Jesus, what is the lesson he is going to teach the disciples? Well, let's read, starting back in verse 3. Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So yeah, we all, we, I think most of us know this story. <coughs> And so what's the lesson of this foot washing? And it's an, it's an amazing lesson, we will see. But before, before we look at that, I think we need to answer the question, what's the deal with this foot washing? Like, why are people washing people's feet inside? Um, is it a power flex? Like, yo, wash my feet. You know, it, it, like, what's happening here? And so uh, the first fact about this, uh, I call this a fun gross fact. 
just to warn you guys. The streets that, that the disciples are walking through are covered in dung. And that's the best word I can use. Sorry, guys. Like, thought about this. They're covered in dung. Indoor plumbing, non-existent. Not yet, right? Privacy and cleanliness, when you use the bathroom, not here. Not, not even a concept. This isn't even an idea yet. At best, the cleanest place you could go was a room, probably about this big, with benches with holes in them around everybody else. And so with that in mind, just process that. Now, how important does foot washing sound? Yes, yes, absolutely. Foot washing, we're behind this. And so whose job is it? Well, it's for the lowliest of slaves. It's literally a dirty job. And so not only as slaves, you had to be the lowliest of slaves. In fact, for Jewish people, if you had a Jewish slave, they weren't even allowed to do it. You had to have a Gentile do it. This is repulsive, just like we're kind of repulsed by it. Jews are repulsed by this. And so it, it, it is the worst job, yet a necessary job. And so now that we know this, though, that yes, we, we are fans of foot washing and that it's the lowliest of jobs, why is Jesus doing that? What, what is he trying to communicate by washing the disciples' feet? And so what I believe with all my heart is Jesus is communicating the gospel. Jesus is communicating the gospel here. So we're going to look at the gospel of Jesus Christ in the washing of the disciples' feet. So we're going to break apart this passage a little bit. Beginning in verse 4, where Jesus rose from supper. He rose from supper. And so he's the host. He's the creator. He's the inviter. He, he made this event. He the, has the most important seat. He's the last person who has to do anything. He's the guy who gives directions. Yet even as author, creator, and host, it says that, that he got up, that he rose, which I believe points to the divine origin of Jesus, his divine origin, which we saw all the way back in, in, in chapter 1, verse 1. We knew this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I think we could see this even more clearly as we continue to read verse 4, where we read, he laid aside his outer garments. And I believe this is communicating the incarnation. As what we find in this action is that Jesus laid aside his glory, everything that was due to him. All, all, all his awesomeness in heaven, he, he puts it aside, right? He lays it aside. All the glory, we'll, we'll see the dignity. Just think about what he's doing. So it wasn't taken. He laid it aside for a season and for a reason, which we also find in Philippians 2.6, who, speaking of Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. It's not what he was worried about, talking about, thinking about. He laid it all aside, and we won't know till we get to heaven just everything he laid aside, but I'm sure we cannot comprehend everything he gave up to come to us. But why? Why would he do that? That doesn't sound like something any of us would do. And so we continue reading in verse 4. It says, taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. And so Jesus puts aside like, his heavenly clothes, right? His, his heavenly, you know, being God to take on the form of a servant. I mean, this is the uniform of a servant. Like, why mention this? Like, what he's wearing here? It's because he becomes a servant. 
as it says in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this is the way it always had to be, the Son of God, the Son of Man, coming as the servant to save us. Well, how does he save us? Like this is, I mean, this is just laid out. Verse 5, then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. So he pours water into a basin and begins to wash the disciples' feet. So what do you think is happening here? Right? In light of everything that we've already talked about and thought about, what do you think is happening? And you don't have to answer out loud, but I think you understand what is happening, right? So there's probably something more than just feet being cleaned, right? And so I would say this is even talking about our salvation. And so what we see here in the, is the blood of Jesus being poured out to wash away sins. As it is written in Matthew 26, 28, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many as the forgiveness of sins. And this is the gospel of Jesus, right? He came down from heaven, became a servant, poured out his blood for us as a ransom for those who would believe. And even stand in the place of God's own judgment against us to save us, Right? And so what he's about to do, as he's cleaning his feet, as he's cleaning all these feet, he's doing this in the shadow of the cross. And so he's kind of explaining what's about to really take place, all of what's taken place up to this point. But what happens after the cross? Does, do we have a conclusion here? Well, we know from verse 1, he goes back to the Father in heaven, but also in verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and, and he resumed his place. And so Jesus is done washing away the ugliness and washing away the sin with his blood. He rises and goes back to heaven, right? He rises and goes back to heaven. As it says in Hebrews 1.3, after making purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Mission accomplished, right? He sits down, mission accomplished, salvation of our souls. Awesome, praise God. Do you see all that, church, in this washing of the feet? How do we know it's supposed to represent the gospel? Did I just read all that into that text? Right? I mean, none of that was mentioned, so did I just pro project my understanding of the gospel into this text? Well, I don't think so. Let me give you three quick reasons why. For starters, John could have said, Jesus washed our feet. That's it. Why does he go out of his way to mention details that are not important? Why do I need to know that Jesus rose, how he changed, that he poured out water, that, that he sat back down? If he would have said Jesus washed their feet, we could assume all those things. Every time that, that John talks about Jesus doing something throughout this book, he never gives details about every single action. Jesus turned his head, Jesus blinked, anything. But right here, all these details that are unnecessary, and that's why I believe they all intentionally point to something and someone greater. Second, in verse 12, after Jesus washes their feet, he asks them, do you understand what I have done to you? Do you understand what I have done to you? Why would Jesus ask that if, the answer was, if he was expecting the answer, you washed our feet? 
I mean, that, that's the obvious. So by Jesus asking this question, he's forcing them to think about it on a deeper level. Yes, I washed your feet, but do you understand what I just did to you? Not what did I do, did you understand what I did to you? And so I believe, he, Jesus is telling them, like, you, there's something else for you to get here. And yes, the disciples usually don't get it at first. They get it later, but thankfully they write it down and then we get it. So praise God, that's awesome. But third, as we see in this event, I believe it points to the gospel because listen to this conversation between Jesus and Peter we are about to read starting in verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And so let me ask you, church, do you need your feet washed? Do you need your feet washed? Well, hey, apparently Peter doesn't because he has this silly response, Lord, do you wash my feet? And it's kind of a weird way to phrase it in our culture because he's not asking a question jesus just washed all their feet jesus is standing in front of him with a towel and water and so he's not asking what jesus is doing he he's questioning what jesus is doing and it's more like you think you're going to wash my feet you seriously think i'm going to let you wash my feet and again give peter a break though you know i mean why is peter doing this because peter knows jesus so far above this. Jesus is the farthest possible above this task that you could possibly get. Peter, that's why Peter's pushing back here. But that's the whole point of what Jesus is doing. Right? That's the whole point. And yes, it's a point that Peter doesn't get. His theology, uh, his theology and his Christology are not complete yet. But knowing this, Jesus responds in verse 7, what I am doing you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. And so Jesus is trying to explain to him, like, you don't have to get it right now. You're thinking about, like, cultural norms right now, when that's not what we're talking about. Jesus is trying to let him know this isn't about the culture then. It's about the culture of the church. Like, this is what the church is going to look like. And Peter needs to get it, and we will get it. As, he will get it, as Jesus said. But this is the way the church operates. This is the accepting of the gospel and how the gospel plays out in the church. But Peter doesn't submit to, to Jesus' lesson and authority here. And so we find in verse 8, it says, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. I, I very often get upset reading this. In other words, he's saying, Peter, Peter, if you don't let me do this, you're out. If I don't wash you, you're gone. Like, this is the end of the road for you. This happens or you don't get anything, right? Almost every time I read this, I get teary-eyed. What is happening here? What is really happening? This just took a whole different turn. Well, if the foot washing points to the gospel of Jesus Christ, as I, as I believe wholeheartedly it does, then what Peter's doing is rejecting it. Peter is rejecting the gospel, and Jesus is saying, well, then I, I, I have to reject you. And so we find in this lesson of Jesus, there's, there's at least two things here. One is that he's presenting the gospel to them, like functionally showing them the, them the gospel, but also showing them what the gospel looks like, how it's lived out. So church, I ask you again, do you, do you need your feet washed? 
Do you need your feet washed? And there are two parts to that question, and neither of them requires looking down at your feet. But look inside. Look inside your mind. Look inside your heart and your soul. Where are you at? So the first question we need to ask ourselves, as we ask ourselves, do my feet need to be washed? Don't look down. Look inward and ask yourself if you believe the gospel. Do you believe the gospel? Especially as laid out clear as day right here. Do you believe that Jesus is God? That, that he precedes everything as we already learned. That the world is his creation. Do you, do you believe that Jesus put aside heaven? That he chose to do that for you? That he left heaven, puts aside his dignity? Do you believe that he became human? That he became a servant for you, for us? Do you believe that he came to save? Do you believe that he came to die? Like that was the plan. Do you believe he died for your sins? Do you believe that that hour is the cross? That hour is the cross, and that was what was required to save you? Do you believe Jesus' blood washes away your sin? That the cross, the hour, the event, right? In that event, what we have is the blood, and the blood is the transaction, right? The divine transaction is the blood, and that's what God requires for us. And that he was the only person who could offer that. And it had to be poured out. You know, Jesus couldn't tap his heels to save us. That blood had to be poured out. And last, it, do you believe Jesus rose again and went back to heaven? He didn't just die. And we've talked about Paul saying it a couple times. If he just died, we're wasting our time. We are wasting our time right now. But he didn't just die. He came back and rose gloriously and taught people, brought the, the disciples back together and, and sort of explained this stuff that just happened to them. And then he went back to heaven where he intercedes for us as our prophet, our priest, and king. Do you believe that? Do you believe the gospel? And if you're saying yes to yourself, then ask yourself this. Is that enough? Is that enough to just believe? And so what we, we find in this interaction between Jesus and Peter is that it's not just a question of belief, but this is a question of action, right? If you don't do this, not think this. So, so what is happening here? Again, in verse 17, it says, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Do what? Well, again, there's two parts to this which is kind of like a theme this morning. But the first thing you have to do is believe, and the second thing is you have to be washed. And I believe, like many others before me, that what this is pointing to is baptism. Believing in the gospel as laid out in this feet washing, but also applying it as baptism. And I think this correlates also to the last, last conversation that Jesus has with the disciples you know, after the resurrection and before he goes to heaven, where it says in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, and this is Jesus' last, last instructions, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so this instruction is just to go make disciples, but what's the, what's the application of becoming a disciple? The first application is baptism, 
Like, that's what it says. Disciple, baptism, back to back. And so I think at this point, Peter fails, not because he doesn't understand the whole gospel yet. To be fair, the resurrection hasn't happened, right? And so his theology is not going to be complete. Jesus told him it's not going to be complete yet. Like, he, it wasn't, he, Peter wasn't supposed to get it yet. The problem here is that Peter wasn't following instructions, right? He didn't, he, Jesus didn't say, you have to understand this. It's like telling our kids to eat something, right? And they say, I don't like this. Well, it's like, I didn't tell you to like it, right? I told you to eat it because it's good for you. It's healthy. And so Peter does not submit in faith to the authority of Jesus. And Jesus says, what? Get washed or get out. This is harsh, right? This is harsh Jesus, right? This isn't like the hippie Jesus I think a lot of people think, like when they think about Jesus. It's like you do this or you don't. I mean, it's up to you, but this is in or out at this point. And so church, again, I ask you, are your feet washed? Are you baptized? Do you believe the gospel only in thoughts or also in action? Even in our baptism, I think there's a lesson and there's a training and are getting baptized. And believe me, I think the first part of that, even from when I got baptized, is a lesson in humility, right? It's kind of like what this whole thing was about, right? Uh, This humiliation. And so by being baptized, we participate in this humiliation of Christ, right? We're, We're participating in his humiliation. So what? So we can participate in his exaltation, Right? You have to go through the whole thing. That, that's the baptism part, coming down and coming back up. Humility. Come, like, embarrass yourself, get wet, have water go up your nose, flail around. You know, it, it can be very awkward. Water can be cold or hot. So there's, there's a humility in that. You know, it's not that bad, but you're humbling yourself and you have, you're brought out of the water with people clapping and cheering, right? And the exaltation. When we get baptized, we identify with that humility, with the identity and humility of somebody who wiped a dung off people's feet and hung naked from a cross in between his home and his creation. That's why we do it. That's why we participate in humility. We're acknowledging that's the gospel. God was humiliated. (laughs) He didn't just come and die. He was humiliated. So are you baptized? And if not, why not? Why not? I'm not here to guilt you into it. This isn't guilt sermon, right? I don't get extra brownies in heaven for everybody that I baptize. At the same time, I would not reject them. But if you aren't baptized, why aren't you baptized? And again, let me just clarify. I'm asking you, if you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, why haven't you been baptized yet? Now, I have talked to several of you who aren't sure. Maybe you were baptized. Maybe you were baptized as an infant. Something about your baptism, you're not 100% sure. And I've talked to several of you like that. If you aren't more than 100% sure, why would you risk it? As your shepherd, I'm here to tell you, why would you risk it? If you are able to get baptized and you don't, Jesus says, James doesn't say, but Jesus says you have no part with him, you're out. And there's no punishment for accidentally getting baptized twice, right? Just so you know that. And so church, some of you need your feet cleaned. 
Some of you need to believe the gospel, including the humiliation of it. Some of you need to get baptized. So just put aside whatever is standing in your way. Now, over the last couple of minutes, some of you probably checked out. And you were thinking, well, um, my feet are clean. And I've been baptized. Great. Now let's get your feet dirty. So let me ask you, church, are your feet dirty? Are your feet dirty? A little bit? It's okay. And so let's read verses 12 through 17. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you, blessed are you if you do them. And so the washing of the feet, Jesus says, is an example, right? He gives the answer key. Oh, yeah, hey, this was an example. This wasn't about just feet washing. This wasn't an example of how to wash feet. There was an example in here, and the example is, I'm super awesome, holy, perfect God, Lord, Master, and I'm doing the lowliest possible job. And so, because he did it, he says, do likewise. Do that also, right? Serve others who Jesus has saved the way that he saved and served them, right? So we're, we're talking, we're talking in-house right here, the one another's. And yes, we are called to love our neighbors, whether they are part of the church or not, and share the gospel with all Bakersfield and our family and everything else. But in-house, in this house, this is the church. And we are to serve one another, right? And I know that ministry can get messy. I mean, I I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus says serve one another and he's wiping dung off people's feet because ministry is messy. It's messy, just that that is absolutely part of it. As Jesus is asking this, he probably has a dirty, smelly rag in his hand. He's probably sweating, right? Just gross as can be saying these things. While at the same time, having his heart, you know, in multiple directions, happy, sad, fearful, joyful, urgency, teaching, sweating, covered in in grossness. And what does he say? This is what you need to be doing. Look what I did as your God. You can do this to other people if I can do this to you. And so what we find in the example of Jesus, who is above all, name above all names, is that no one is above serving. And no one is below being served. Serving likewise is an attitude. Man, it is an attitude. It's only by the Holy Spirit can we have an attitude like this. I mean, just think about the fact that Jesus washes the feet of the person who would betray him. The thing he's most stressed out about, he's washing the the feet of the person who is going to put him in that position. Would you do that? If you say no, no judgment here. Goodness gracious, I don't, that's a tough one. But it takes a complete attitude adjustment. So church, are your feet dirty? 
Are your feet dirty? They need to be. They need to be dirty this morning. I've mentioned multiple times, you guys have skills and gifts and passions, personalities, resources, time that you need to be used, be using, getting your feet dirty for one another, for one another. You need to be using these things for the church family. We need each other's dirty feet. We really do. I know that sounds awkward, but I need your dirty feet. I cannot do this alone. You know I'm all in. But I am not enough, I promise you. I promise you I'm not enough by myself, and we don't want the James show. This is the house of God, and you are the chosen. In verse 18 it says, I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. And if you are chosen, praise God. That, that is the best, right? Praise God that you are chosen but also get your feet clean and get your feet dirty. Let me pray for us. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.